Well, good morning, everyone. I pray that you've had a wonderful week. Have you all had a good week this past week? Yeah. And you've come here this morning ready to be changed, ready for something new to happen. You want something new to happen this morning? Yeah, I do. I do. I really feel as uh, we've come back together that, that uh, you know, we've, we've, we've come with a, a desire, uh, you know, that's, uh, I can barely read my notes. I better put my glasses on. <laughs> Okay, I'll take that. Sure, why not? But we've come back with a desire really to press into him, I feel like. Don't you? I feel like that's been something that uh, we've had. Like, we come back here. We, we were away for a little bit there. But I feel like we've come back now with a, a new desire, a new want, a new desire to, to really press into him and, and figure out and, and know where he's leading us. Amen? Yeah, as we fix our, our gaze on him. And if our focus is on him, we'll have the distinct ability to actually see what he is doing, to know where he's going, and have a fresh revelation about who he is. And let me just remind you this morning who he is. Are you ready? Who is he? This, who is Jesus? Who is God? Shout something out. Who is God to you? He's a father. He's your, sorry, what was that, Mark? He's your all in all. He's your comforter. He's your living hope. He's your salvation. He's your rock. He's our guide. He's our help in time of need. Amen? And guess what? He's also our peace. Awesome. He is all those things. And having that knowledge should actually make a, a real change in your life, shouldn't it? It should actually make a change something in you. Knowing who your father is should have a result in your life. It should make a difference. Why is that? It's because he's greater than anything. He's greater, he's greater than all things. He's even greater than that thing that you woke up this morning panicking about. He's greater than that even. He's greater than all things. He's greater than everything that you heard about in the news this week. He's greater than all of that. He's greater than anything that our natural eyes can see. Right? Have you tested that? I know it's true. Do you? Yeah. Last week, we had some amazing prophetic words here as well, didn't we? Uh, both words encouraged us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and to avoid all distraction. And that, my friends, I think is probably one of the timeliest words we could receive in a day like today. Keep our eyes off of the distractions. So what does it mean to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus? It actually just means that you have such a, a mature, focus on the word mature, connection with Jesus... Right? They have such a strong connection with them that every part of you aligns with him. It means that even when hard times come, you have such a connection with Jesus that you don't waver. Right? You don't waver because you know that he's with you. Your eyes are locked in with his. You have clarity. You know, your life isn't perfect, right? And you still face different circ difficult circumstances, but you know, you just know what, who you belong to, and you're confident in your secure attachment to him. I am my beloved's, and he is, he is mine. And you know, the world is filled with so many distractions, and, and a lot of times they sometimes can appear to be even good things. Even sometimes they can be brilliant things, you know, and they can be brilliant enough to try and, and lure us in and, and capture our focus. But as Christians, who does our loyalty belong to? Our loyalty belongs to Jesus and Jesus alone. And what the Bible has actually taught us is that we actually have a jealous God. We have a jealous God, and he doesn't want our eyes to be on something else, ever. He wants our eyes on him. 
we have to give him our full attention, like when we're driving. I have this awful thing that I do when I'm in the car, and if on the rare occasion Holly and I get to travel, go somewhere together, uh, we always, because we don't get a whole lot of time, so when we get in the car and we're driving somewhere, we have these great conversations, and it distracts me because I don't get that kind of, we don't get to have those kind of conversations. Usually it's who's taking the kids there, have you made the lunches, have you, you know, it's always stuff that we have to do, but when we're alone together, we have these great conversations, and say we're driving to Toronto, I always pass the exit for the DVP every single time. Because we're in such deep conversation, I go right by it. So I lose my, my direction. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, though, safely leads us to the right destination. It leads us to the right destination. Otherwise, we're, we're listening to, to other voices, which can actually lead us into wilderness. It can lead us to somewhere else where we're not supposed to be. Right? So my, my text for today, uh, I think, speaks not only uh, to the prophetic words last week, but also to the climate of the world that we're actually living in right now. And it's in Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. And I'm going to read it now from the Amplified. I know you already started to read it because it's right here. Uh, but, you know, I, one thing I want to ask you this morning as we read this part of the scripture is, what is distracting you today? What is distracting you today? I know some of you are going to think about that, but guess what? We all have distractions. Every single one of us has something that distracts us. So I want to ask you, what, are you, what is distracting you today? All right, so let's look at the word. Hebrews 2, looking, looking, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity. I love that part with maturity. I love that when it talks about a mature faith because it tells you what a mature faith should look like, right? Who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word, Lord. Amen. So we all have a tendency when we, we read Scripture, though, right? When we read the Bible and, and we hear prophetic words to think, yeah, Lord, that message is for them. It's not for me. It's, it's for them. I'm good. We're all good. You know, I'm fine. It's not for me. But the truth is that a message spoken to us actually should cause some type of self-reflection every time, right? Whenever there's a prophetic word, we need to look at ourselves first and think, how does this apply to me? It has to cause self-reflection because as is the case here, there is always something that can and will distract us. This is true for every one of us. What's distracting you? In fact, I would argue that the devil's greatest tool against us is actually distraction. It's actually distraction. He likes to run interference. There's a football analogy for you today. <laughs> I don't play football, but he does like to run interference, right? Why does the devil like to run interference? Because if you focus on the distraction, the distraction will overwhelm you. The distraction will overpower you to the point where the distraction is the single most thought in your mind. That's how it works. If the seed thought can go in, it can distract you, and then it overpowers you over time. It swallows you whole, completely. A lot of you know I have a dog named Wally. He's a pug. And uh, pugs are known for their insatiable appetites. You can't put food down in there and let them graze because they'll just, they'll just eat themselves to death. And uh, our dog, Wally, uh, he's not easily distracted when there's food around. Uh, so whenever I bring my, my dog over to Pastor John and Janet's house with the kids, 
Uh, my, my parents always give them these lovely chicken fingers that, that they love to eat. And we always tell the kids, focus on your food. Do not be distracted by anything else because the minute your eyes go off the food, Wally's going to come by and eat your food. He's going to eat those chicken fingers. He'll do it the second you take your eyes off it. And when Wally goes up, when the food goes on the table, Wally's eyes, he's got these big, you've seen pugs before, they have these big giant eyes, right? His eyes are 100% focused on the chicken fingers. Completely, his mind is on the chicken fingers. He's just looking at them like this, ready to pounce. It's like his instincts have kicked in. He, he's, he's hunting for that food. And one time, of course, the kids get distracted, as they always do at Grandma's house. And the minute they walk away, he jumps and grabs a chicken finger. And you know what? He doesn't even take time to, eat, to chew it. He just swallows it whole, right down, down his little throat. It's like a snake swallowing a mouse. You ever seen that on nature shows? He just goes right down his throat. It's kind of disgusting. <laughs> and he does that. He, his eyes are focused on the prize. But you know what? There's actually something better than, than secondhand chicken fingers, my friends. There's something way better than that, isn't there? Yeah, and it's the author and perfecter of faith. Jesus invites you to come to him, to focus on him when you're facing overwhelming distractions. That's what he wants you to do. Have you noticed, too, when, if you've had children as well, uh, when they cut themselves or they're hurt, uh, what's the first thing you do as a parent? You, you tend to them, but you get them to focus on you instead of their hurt so that they'll, they will not be, you distract them. You get them, focus on me, focus on me, your father, so that you're not focusing on your hurt. And you want them to stop crying and stop make, sometimes stop making a scene so that you can tend to their wound, to their hurt, while they're focusing on you and not, not the hurt. You know, we do that as parents. And now when, when you're in pain, he asks you to step out in faith. And he gives you success over the distractions, over what's running interference. But only when your eyes stay completely focused on him. Have you noticed, too, and a lot of us have known people that have turned away from God before. Um, have you noticed some people walk away from, you know, walk away from the church, walk away from Christianity? Uh, you know, they wa- I always find it's when they walk away from the church initially, to be honest with you. When they walk away from the church, that's the first step for them walking away from God. Uh, but when they walk away, their mind, their attention goes to something else. Something else fills that void very, very quickly. Have you noticed that? Isn't it strange that that happens? As soon as God is out of the picture, they fill that void with something else, which is usually something that's just really has no comparison to the peace that comes from God. They focus on something else, some political ideal, some work thing, some uh, hobby. Something else goes in and fills that void and it becomes their singular focus. Have you noticed that? Isn't that strange? That as soon as their eyes are off Jesus, something comes in as a distraction and fills that voice. If your eyes turn away from him, though, you'll easily become consumed by whatever your mind is filled with. And guess what? It doesn't work for you. None of those other things that try to come in here, they don't work for you. They're, not, they're, they're a complete counterfeit to what Jesus can give you. It's not working, and it's not maturing you. Only Jesus, only a focus on Jesus is going to help you walk through life and avoid the distractions that are going to cause you to, to be basically in pain. Amen? Yeah. So why is fixing our eyes on Jesus so important right now? Well, I think the world right now is, is obviously very, very triggered by a lot of things right now and set on what their own particular truth is, right? So much so that 
they overlooked the only real truth, the baseline truth. There is only one baseline truth, my friends. There's only one truth. One truth. There's only one truth that all certainty can be placed on, and that's the truth of who Jesus is and what he actually accomplished for us on the cross. That's the only truth. That is the only truth that you can depend on. That is the only point of focus that we can have, that we can have continually set before, uh, have him set before us. You know, we have to have him set before us as our example. We have to have him set before us as our encouragement. We have to have him set before us for our direction. We have to have him set before us for our help. We have to have him set before us for acceptance. And we have to have him set before us for everything, every single day. He has to be set before us. He has to be there. Because this time that we're living in is filled with so much, I mean, let's face it, it's static. It's so much static. And I feel like the biggest temptation is to think that we can somehow do things on our own. We can somehow do it on our own. We can logic things out and and think that we can actually make change in the world around us, in our strength, in our own power. And, you know, sometimes our plans seem so perfect and justified that we have to keep a laser focus on them. But in reality, when we keep our focus on something else, we have our back to Jesus. Jesus is behind us when we have our focus on something else. But as Christians, our loyalty has to be to Jesus alone. We have a jealous God, which is why priority one is always eyes on Christ. What's priority two? Eyes on Christ. What's priority three? Eyes on Christ. Priority four? I think you guys are getting it. Priority five? Eyes on Christ. He is the main and only priority to keep our eyes fixed on him. I don't think you've, I don't know if you've noticed that, but we're living in a pretty divided world. Have you noticed that yet? We have a pretty divided world out there that people are, are just so divided and fighting over everything. And, uh, you know, I look at what's going on in Ottawa and, and around Canada right now, and I, I don't see anything that actually resembles any kind of resolve, to be honest. I don't see any kind of resolve. I see people, and, and you know what? I'm not going to take sides here because I don't do that. This is not a political uh, platform here to say anything. It's not. Uh, and it doesn't matter what side I take in this. I see two sides who are completely set, even fixated maybe, uh, or maybe even obsessed with their own plans. That's on both sides, by the way. Okay? Both sides. So where does that leave us? Yeah. Priority one. Priority one, eyes on Jesus. So do we just throw our arms in the air and say, ah, whatever, I give up, right? No, that's not what we do. We recognize that we are all victims to distraction and uncertainty and respond by keeping our eyes on Jesus, who's going to lead us to the rightful destination. That's what happens, the right destination. The last thing I want to be is a, a, you know, a Christian who is wandering in the wilderness, Paul actually wrote in 1 Corinthians 1 and 30 that Christ has been made our wisdom. He's been made our righteousness. He has been made our satisfaction. He's been made our redemption. Christ has been made that for all of us. You know what's interesting about that verse too? Take Christ out of that picture and you have nothing. You have none of those things. Always realize that. If you take Christ out of the picture, you don't have wisdom. You don't have righteousness. You don't have sanctification. You don't have redemption. Christ is the only part in that equation that makes it whole, that makes us be able to have those things. No matter how hard you try, he is the key to our victory, and that's why we have to keep our eyes on him at all times. Jesus is the answer to absolutely every problem you will ever have and every challenge you will ever face. 
Unfortunately, though, we all have this thing that comes over us during hard times like the one we're living in right now where it's so tempting to take our eyes off of Jesus and start looking at other things. And we try to figure out how we can, you know, get ourselves out of the circumstances we are in. You know what? I'm actually completely convinced that everything the devil does in our lives is to take us to take our eyes off of Jesus. That's that's what he does. His number one priority, his number one priority is to take our eyes off of Christ. A lot of people are, are coming now to the table and, and saying, you know, the lessons that they've learned throughout this pandemic now that we're, we're I mean, come on, we're, in, we're nearing the end of it anyways, seemingly. Uh, but a lot of people are coming to the table with what they've learned from, from being in this time of isolation and all these all the stuff, you know, and they have all these wise things that they're trying to put out there. But you want to know one thing that I've noticed <laughs> throughout this whole time? Uh, is that people have been easily getting their eyes off of Jesus, even the Christians, even the church itself, eyes off of Jesus and onto other things. That's what I've noticed, that there have been so many distractions that our eyes have gone to, a lot of our eyes have gone off of Jesus and onto other things. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Eyes on Jesus. We also have a tendency to look at our current situation and think that we have it bad, that no one at no time in history has had it any worse than us. And you know what? Uh, you know, we have had a hard time, and I understand why some feel as angry as they do, but I also know that we need sometimes to adjust our perspective sometimes as well, too. I was actually really touched uh, on Thursday night when we were, we were having the, the, our, our online meeting, and... Uh, I brought a, a, something, a little topic was brought up. As, uh, actually, it was Mike, as you brought it up as well, that my grandfather at one point did a, uh, he was preaching, and he asked people, tell me something that, that you feel blessed about. And as this happens to all pastors, there was just crickets. No one was, no one was speaking up, right? But uh, then he said, he jumped in. He said, you know what? I'm going to start. I'm thanking the Lord that I woke up this morning and the sun was shining. I thank the Lord that I got up and went in the shower and I had hot water. I'm thanking, I thank the Lord that I'm blessed that, that there was soap, that there was a warm towel, that I had breakfast to eat, that I had a roof over my house. Thank you, Jesus, for those things. Sometimes it just needs to have a different, you need to have a different perspective on what you are actually blessed with. Because we have a lot that we are blessed with here. A lot. Hebrews 12 and 3 says this, for just following the, the verse I already read. Uh, just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility, hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In all of our sufferings, all of them, we have to consider Jesus. Consider that all that he faced on the cross. And I mean, I mean it, like really consider it. Consider what he faced on the cross. In the Roman world, crucifixion was the worst form of capital punishment that they gave out. It was the worst. It was, it was reserved for slaves and criminals, and it involved both torture and public humiliation. That's what it was designed to do. In fact, no Roman citizen, they were, they were not, they, they, you cannot crucify a Roman citizen because if you're a Roman, you didn't belong to that class of people that could get crucified. It was reserved for people that were, that, were, that were criminals, and it was used to intimidate other people. It was a horrific form of punishment. On the cross, Jesus was, was treated as valueless. He was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was scorned, he was shamed. But, as the scripture just tells us, 
He who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross. He disregarded that shame. He disregarded it and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah that he did that. He ignored all that shame, all that torture. He endured it all knowing of what was ahead. Don't you think we could do that as well too in this time? Don't you think we can, we can disregard the, the minute little things that are annoying and look ahead to what Jesus is going to do down the, down the path that he's leading us down? Amen? Eyes on Jesus. He's going to lead you there. He's going to lead you there. He disregarded the shame of the cross because he kept his eyes on accomplishing the goal set before him. Now, reason out our troubles compared to his. <laughs> Compare Christ's suffering and ours, and it's not hard to see that his sufferings far, 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 far exceeded ours. And it's not hard to see that his sufferings, uh, you know, he was able to overlook those to the joy that was set before him. And it exceeded our pain in every possible and conceivable way. So Christ's ability to look beyond the suffering, I believe, is the perfect pattern for us to imitate today. It really is. Because what happened when he did that? He was exalted at the right hand of God. That's what happened. He was exalted at the right hand of God. And we need to look beyond our present difficulties and see God's promised rewards. Because Jesus not only perfected faith by his example, but he demonstrated endurance by looking beyond the immediate, what was right in front of him, looking beyond the immediate painful circumstances to the reward that was ahead. My attention right now is not going to be on anything that is designed to distract. I'm not going to let it do that. It's not going to be on anything or any plan that is man-made. I'm not going to go there. Instead, my attention is on what God wants. Because why? Because he leads. Because he moves. He is the one that I want my attention to be on. Because he's going to lead me to the right destination and not into the wilderness. So Holly is well-versed on all science and research on the mind, as some of you know. And she was actually telling me the other day about a, a state of mind that we all tend to get to uh, when we have had just too much mental stimulation, and we basically just shut down. This usually happens at night after a long day. You basically just shut down because of something called cortical weariness uh, because we just can't take any more information in our, in our brains. And you're just like, okay, I'm good. I need to shut down. Uh, you know, I can't take anymore. It's like when your computer crashes. Ever notice that when your computer crashes, it crashes, it freezes up because it's out of memory and you have to reboot the computer. We're actually the same way. You can only take so much and then you're done. You, you're no good anymore. You have to shut down, you have to sleep and reboot. Uh, and you reach a point where you just can't process one more thing. And we all get that way. We all get the way at the end of the day. And you know, lately I've just made the decision to just stay off social media altogether because I just can't take any more opinion. <laughs> I'm just at the point now where it's like, I've had enough. I'm good. I don't want any more opinion. And you know what I've noticed in all this as well, too? Everybody wants to be a preacher. Everybody wants to be a preacher, but nobody wants to preach about Jesus. That's awful. Right? I almost don't want to have an opinion anymore because it's just so exhausting to sort through everybody else's. <laughs> Right? It's just, it's just too much. Here's a funny story. Uh, before uh, Florence passed away, she told me a story which cracked me up. I'd never heard it before. And she told me that sometimes when, when she went to bed, she would go to my grandfather and, and just spew off everything that was bugging her. And my, gra <laughs> my grandfather's response was, Florence, gather your thoughts. 
<laughs> Good example of cortical weariness right there. Gather your thoughts. You know what? Maybe that's a prophetic statement for right now. Gather your, gather your thoughts. Maybe we need to gather our thoughts this morning. Amen? Yeah. Just consider and meditate on him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's a great scripture right there. I feel that's for me this morning. Focus on him so you don't grow weary. It's so easy to grow weary and even easier to lose heart. Even the, the stronger of us, strongest of us can, can get really tired under the weight of you know, seemingly endless trials that we've been facing in the last little while and circumstances that uh, really have been designed to wear us out, especially when they last a very long time. But what do you do when you face this kind of discouragement? The best way to prevent this is priority one. Look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus and consider what he accomplished in the absolute worst circumstances on the cross. And when we meditate on him, it brings us actually a, a, a fresh supply of strength, a spiritual strength, a fresh supply of comfort, a fresh supply of courage. Because I'll tell you what, if we suffer with him, then we'll also reign with him. That's what happens. Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and... Hallelujah, you guys know your Bible. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his character is unchanging. He always has been and always will be our rock and our redeemer, full of grace and truth. He is the only constant in an ever-changing world. So when you fix your eyes on Jesus, you have spiritual stability. Even if your life is, you know, spiraling out of control, you have stability in Christ. Looking to others or, or looking at the world and their solutions is just going to leave you dissatisfied. At the end of the day, when you look to something else from, aside from Jesus, you end up just being dissatisfied anyways. And Satan's going to tempt you to look anywhere and everywhere other than Jesus for satisfaction. But true freedom, true freedom, true freedom and fulfillment is only found in Christ. Only in Christ. Jesus is better than anyone and anything else. He's calling you today. He's calling us today. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, all eyes on me. That's what he's saying. He's saying, all eyes on me. Will you join him on that? Will you focus on him this morning? Will you promise to keep your eyes focused on him? Because I believe he is leading us through this. He is leading us to the end. There is an end in sight. And he is leading us into victory. Amen? Can I call the worship team up? I just want to sing The Way again. He's the way, he is the truth. And I'm going to ask you to join in in this song. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, even just for this moment now, right now. Give him your laser focus. And if there is something in your life right now that is bothering you, that is, that is just keeping you up at night, that is a distraction. That is not what God wants you to focus. He wants you to focus on him because he's going to deliver you through that. So this morning as we sing this song, let's just close our eyes. Let's just worship him. Keep our eyes focused on him. Let him minister to you as to where he is taking you. Amen?